Welcome to the Lisa Wexler Show podcast. Think of it like a magazine or a box of chocolates. You never know what you'll get. From politics to pop culture, healthcare to legal issues, it's all here. And my behind-the-wheel chats are personal observations created especially for you on podcast only. Enjoy. Here's a cool fact. A crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Another cool fact? You can get short-term health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans are designed for people who are between jobs, coming off their parents' plan, or turning a side hustle into a full-time gig. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. Get more cool facts about United Healthcare short-term plans at uh1.com. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here, and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at hellofresh.com. Joining us right now are the two gentlemen who wrote, who composed that. I'm just a fangirl today. Uh, welcome to the show to Mark Shaman and Scott Whitman. I am, I'm over the moon to be in the virtual presence, the audio presence of two such talented individuals who have given me so much pleasure over the years. If I read your bios, we'd be done with the interview. But let's just let our audience know that you wrote Hairspray, that Mark, you were an orchestra and arranger and among other things have had a close collaboration with Bette Midler all these years and actually was the person behind the scenes of the last performance on the Johnny Carson show, which I remember so well. And and the two of you together have won every single accolade and award that can be given, that should be given to people of your caliber. I just saw Some Like It Hot, I guess it was a week ago Friday. I really loved the show. Scott Whitman, Mark Shaman, welcome to the Lisa Wexler Show today. Hello. Hi. Hello. Good morning. Hi, Lisa. Hello. <laughs> good morning. Me, good morning. Hmm? Just want to make sure you can hear me. Oh, I think I can hear you. It sounds a little bit faint. If you can make it a little bit closer, that would be better. Yeah, a little bit. Anyway, I think it's good. I think it's good. So let me begin with you, Mark. Uh, first of all, 
I, I have so many questions that would come from everywhere, but I guess what I guess I'll start with some like it hot because that's what we should talk about today because it's a great show and everybody should see it and it's an old fashioned tap dance musical costume singing plot line. So tell me, Mark, um, how did this material come to you? Was this brought to you or did you wake up one morning and say, I want to write a musical about this movie or from this movie? Well, we had been working with Craig Zayden and Neil Merrin, the producers, uh, on Smash. And so while working on Smash, which was the story of people putting on a musical about Marilyn Monroe, Scott and I wrote a lot of songs that would fit into a musical of Some Like It Hot. One very specifically on the show, Smash, was in some kind of multiverse, it if there had been another song in the movie, Some Like It Hot, we wrote this song called Let's Be Bad. Oh, I loved and it. So when, they, so when they got the rights, it just made sense to them to ask Scott and I if we were interested. So um, let me so let me ask we were, you something. Yeah, go yeah. ahead. Yeah, keep going. No, that's good. Yeah. Oh, no, I'll keep going forever and ever, so interrupt <laughs> me, uh, please. Well, I will interrupt to just say – well, when I first heard that Some Like It Hot was on Broadway, I thought you were going to cast Megan Hilty, and I was going to see her do Marilyn Monroe on Broadway. Did you consider <laughs> casting her for this role of Sugar? No, well, there had, this is, uh, there, had, there had already been a musical in the 70s of, of Some Like It Hot that was basically the movie on stage. So um, it had, a, it had a, um, a white actress playing uh, the Marilyn role. And so that's one of the things that intrigued us about doing it was the fact that the, the character would be played by a black actress because it opened up another area of music that would have been more closer to what Lena Horne and Billie Holiday and Ethel Waters, that sound was something that, oh, that sounds like it would be really fun to write to. So that that was was one of the big um, catches for us to do it. And by the way, they just renamed the theater, the Lena Horn Theater. Yes, they did. Yeah. Which was I, very exciting to me. I'm walking in the theater and they're telling me, welcome to the Lena Horn Theater. And I turned to Joanna, my daughter, and I said, what are we talking about, Lena Horn Theater? I've never heard of a Lena Horn Theater. So I asked the usher and she said to me, yes, they just renamed it. Oh, do you want to hear an unbelievable fun fact from me? This is true trivia. You ready, guys? We're talking with yeah. Mark Shaman. It's got sure. Where- Okay, so it's the Schubert Theater, right? It's, it's, it's the Schubert, right? Some like it hot yes. in the Schubert Theater? Yes. Okay, yes. my father, who is now 93 and going strong with no dementia whatsoever, who's an unbelievable guy, <laughs> was an usher at the Schubert Theater when he was 14 years old and a member of the union, a member of the union of the ushers as a teenager at the Schubert Theater. Wow, wow. I think some of, the, some of his contemporaries might still be there. <laughs> it's possible. It's must possible. Have seen some great shows. <laughs> oh, that's true. <laughs> but it's so cool, isn't it, to think that eighty years ago he was he was walking. I mean, it's amazing to me. It's just yeah, amazing. That yeah, is amazing. Anyway. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So let's let's circle back to some like it hot. So you write this. Uh, you, you're conceiving of a musical based on a movie that is set in the 50s or the 20s or the 30s, whenever the St. Valentine's Prohibition, the 20s, the 30s sometimes. And, yeah, the Flapper uh, era, yeah, yeah. Right, the Flapper era. And yet you are turning the mores on their head because 
you know, black and white relationships were very verboten in those times. So how did you think about that as you were writing the musical? Well, the truth is that that there were a lot of um, white composers at the time writing songs for black artists. So uh, and also even Al Capone, who ran jazz clubs, knew that the talent, the, the, the great talent was with the black artists. So they, it was kind of more of a, a melding of, of, of those two worlds back then. And then probably that less now. So, but but it was uh, it was quite um, liberal in its way. Yeah, and and but what about the fact that then you go from performance to romance? Did that stop you in your tracks, or did you? How did you handle that? We didn't, you know, as far as the romance between Joe and Sugar, we didn't really. You know, it's all, enough already. It's like uh, we didn't even stop to really address that in any large magnifying way. Uh, but there is a lot in the show that is about the race of the characters and, of course, the gender and, and how they're, they're feeling about who they are. And so we are looking at all that through, as they say, through a modern lens without trying to be uh, anachronistic to the time that our show takes place, which is 1930-32. We moved it up to the early 30s, to the end of Prohibition. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, uh, so we deal with what we need to deal with to be realistic about the world, but it's also a musical comedy. So, you know, we, we it's, it was a constant tightrope about what we should address, what we need not address, and so on and so forth. Yeah. And let's talk a little bit about the gender switch. The gentleman who plays the Jack Lemon character in the movie is brilliantly talented. And uh, yes. what, what is his name? Jay Harrison. He, he's, he's brilliantly talented. Yeah. And, yeah. and my personally, I love the way he, he soft pedals the character. He doesn't hit you in the face with it at all. I, I just love the way right. he played the role. Yeah, it's a it's a it's yeah. a slow development to to uh, it blossoms in the second mm-hmm. act. Yeah, 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 <laughs> yeah. And I would Lisa, I encourage you to come back because it's so much fun to watch once you really know what's going to happen. To watch how brilliantly he, little by little, scene by scene, builds towards the, you know, what happens. Uh, he's so, I almost said the f word. So. I think good. He's, it's just a joy to watch how he builds the performance. Yeah, I, I thought so. As I was watching him, I was thinking, I'm watching a great star here. I thought that about just about everybody on the stage, by the way. Just yeah, about everybody talent. on the yeah, stage. Yeah. Yeah. The, the, the talent, the raw talent that's assembled in Some Like It Hot, the musical, is, is worth going to see and sit in the audience because, and it's, and it's the talent of the performers, but it's the talent of the orchestrators and it's the talent of the costumers. It's, it's your old fashioned, everybody with talent on the stage, not to mention you guys. So tell us a little bit about your process. Are you in a room together, you know, writing songs like Oscar Levant used to do in the old Broadway movies with whoever was standing around him? Or are you in your separate spaces sending stuff to each other on email? Like, how do you do what you do? No, well, we write the lyrics together, so we are in the room together. So we we get together almost every day during the process, and 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 you know start to write to the characters. But we do do it in the same room, um, 
uh, and uh, usually come, uh, in this case, uh, so most of it started with the lyric, and then uh, Mark would cr- create the music. So, yes, we, are, we do do it together, even through the pandemic. Occasionally so, on a Zoom, but mostly, mostly together. So the music is yeah, following the, the was, thought. So the music is following the thought. The thought of what the song is supposed to say is coming first from Scott, and then Mark takes the thought and tries to set it to music? Well, we do the, we do the thought together, yes, yes. So we'll sit in the room together and start to create words that will you know, start to tell us what the song wants to be. So, yes. How did you find each other? <laughs> that was a long, long. I think Oscar Levant was still alive. So yes, it was. <laughs> it was way it's back, a, a way back story, in night. It is a it is a wonderful old school movie kind of meeting where I was only sixteen years old. I was in New York with some friends. We ran into some other friends and and jumped into this little piano bar that we just happened to be standing in front of when we ran into these friends. And I was 16. I shouldn't have been in there, but it was like four in the afternoon. And it was just the bartender who ended up was the owner of Murray's Crisis Piano Bar. And so I got up and started playing the piano because there was no one in there. And I was 16 years old and I play the piano wherever I possibly could. And he said, just like out of an old movie, he stopped sweeping and he said, hey, kid, you're good. Wait right here. And Scott was rehearsing a comedy review at the duplex next door. And the bartender knew that they wanted a, a new piano player, a funny, funny new piano player. And so Scott and, and his cast members came crashing through the door. And that's how Scott and I met, and we started working with each other that day, and it was love at first sight uh, mm-hmm. on all levels. And although we have moved on romantically in our lives to different loves at first sight, uh, our, our love as collaborators and as best friends and soulmates uh, remains, and that was in 1976. Yes, I like to say it was the year of Legionnaire's Disease, Son of Sam, Tall Ships, and Mark Shaman. Wow. (laughs) It's a great story. You know, there's a, there's a, that's an amazingly moving conversation that you could move away from being romantic partners, but still say soulmates, best friends, and business partners. That's not an ending you see too often. That's pretty cool. No, no. Very, very proud of it. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, ready to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hey, Dave. Yeah, Randy. Since we founded Bombas, we've always said our socks, underwear, and T-shirts are super soft. Any new ideas? Maybe sublimely soft. Or disgustingly cozy. Wait, what? I got it. Bombas. Absurdly comfortable essentials for yourself. And for those facing homelessness. Because one purchased equals one donated. Wow, did we just write an ad? Yes. Bombas. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. <laughs> yeah, wow. And so tell me how you got to know Bette Midler. 
That's a Mark uh, story. That's another long story. I'll, I'll try to talk fast. I was a Bette Midler fanatic, mm-hmm. and then I moved to New York, and I, I stayed with Scott, and Scott lived across the hall from one of Bette Midler's backup singers, and they wanted to do their own act. They're called the Harlets when they're singing with Bette, and they wanted to do their own act because Bette wasn't touring. And there I was across the hall, a, a, a Bette Midler fanatic. I knew just the kind of harmonies they'd want to do, and I'd work for nothing, and I was right across the hall. They could call mm-hmm. a rehearsal, and five minutes later, I'd be there. So I got the gig. I was at that point maybe 17, uh-huh. and my ultimate dream came true when Bette Midler said to the girls after they did their act, and it was a hit in the cabarets of New York and Los Angeles, Bette said, girls, come back on the road with me. I'll let you open my show. And I was blown out to L.A. to work with the girls. And my dream of working with Bette Midler that I thought I'd, I'd have to work my whole life to get to, it happened before I even turned 18. Unbelievable. And that was that was back in that same late 70s. So uh, that was And we've been, been, we've been friends with long. her ever since. So. <laughs> yeah, she's so remarkable. People don't even realize how many trees she's planted in New York City. I mean, we know oh her as God, this yeah. unbelievably, fabulously talented ambassador of everything great. But she is a, you know. Garbage she, collector. <laughs> yes, she is. Spade to the dirt. I once showed up for an event with her, and I have a picture with her, which is a thrill for me. And we're both digging dirt in the yeah. ground, planting trees and clearing a garden in Harlem. Yeah, great. Yes, that's right. there. <laughs> yeah, she's fantastic. Wow, and and then and then that last night with Johnny Carson. Come on, Mark, you got to give us a little dish. That has to be something fabulous. Come on. Yeah. Well, yeah. You and your listeners, if you go to markshaman.com, go to my website. I actually wrote about that when Johnny Carson died. I was just flooded with the memories of that night, which remains one of the most. I hate to use the word, but perfect nights of my life uh, creatively and, of course, emotionally. It was just, it was just a dream, and and um, I'll never ever forget it. And I can still watch it or listen to it, and go, wow! For a few minutes there, we touched perfection. There's nothing about it that I would say, oh, I wish it had done this. I wish we had done that. I wish I wrote a different lyric or played a different chord. It's just, it was just a moment. Uh, uh, well, anyway, I could just go on and on, but. <laughs> go to my website <laughs> yeah it's in my mind's eye too i've watched it often and and the chemistry between the two of them and him and, and johnny carson just sitting there reveling in the moment and and right and she's leaning yeah. on the yeah. desk the with direction. her elbow yeah. right she's sort of yeah. leaning they on were, the desk yeah. well they were very close that friends cat, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and that camera angle that the director came up with over Bette's shoulder looking at Johnny Carson mm. taking in her performance. I'm getting choked up just thinking about it. Right? So I'm going to get too verklempt. So. Oh, you're going to get verklempt. <laughs> I understand. Mark Shaman, Scott Whitman. So so the two of you have been collaborators, best friends, everything to each other for all of these years. Yeah. Uh, how long? How long does it take to develop? How long did it take to develop some like it hot as a score as a production give us an idea as outsiders in the audience it took, um it's they we were working on mary poppins return so that was like six years it took about six years of you know workshops and, and readings and dance workshops and, and all of that yeah and and was the vision is the vision right now that's on the stage your vision 
Yes, and and Casey Nicola, the director, who was who was so fantastic to work with. A lot of that is Casey, yeah. And Matthew yeah. Lopez, uh, our our book writer, mm. who, uh, who was joined by Amber Ruffin. But it was Matthew Lopez who really cracked the nut of how to deal with all the issues that we deal with. And although Scott and I are, are smart enough to also know what we had to do, it was Matthew who was really kind of really has his finger on it and uh he really structured it and and described how things could be and uh invaluable part of of what is now there on the stage right it's and funny. casey makes makes it zip along yeah 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 and it's funny oh, yeah. people people laugh yeah. out loud the jokes are good christian Borle is funny i mean it's good it's yeah. funny yeah oh yeah yeah, yeah. yeah. yeah oh the laughs that. are big yeah yeah <laughs> fantastic how often do you go see the show guys how often are you in the audience i go about once a week to check on people we just recorded the cast album this week so we've been Ooh. together a lot so it comes it. out in, in march so yeah Very we exciting. were we were together all week they sound fantastic and and that band there's no better band on broadway so <clears throat> it's yeah. been pretty exciting that's been exciting are you living in new and york both of you is that where you live uh, do you live in new york yeah yep uh, yeah, I mostly live upstate, so I don't get to the theater as much as I want to. But when I do, I actually prefer now I'm at the point where I like hanging out backstage. I've started to learn the backstage choreography where you have to stand so you don't get hit in the head by a mm. piece of scenery. <laughs> and it's just so much fun to to be backstage. It's And it's such a crazy, amazing thing of how when you're in the audience and you're watching it, and you're watching characters in a show, and you're watching the acting and the commitment to the acting, and they, and yet, when you're backstage watching it, it's like, oh, look at Christian. Oh, look at what Jay's doing. It's like mm-hmm. you have this whole other perspective. It's so strange how the whole world flips on its head when you're backstage watching, and it's, it's just so much fun, especially that spectacular dance number that you know pretty much ends the show Beyond. that half spectacular chase scene it's so Incredible. fun to watch it from behind the scenes and it's just it's just an amazing piece of of majestic artistic machinery how they've all how casey worked that out and casey's associates and the cast how they have to be where they have to be uh, like you know split second timing and it's just amazing to watch we're chatting with Mark Shaman and Scott Whitman, who are the composers of Hairspray, the composers of Some Like It Hot. And I was listening to you, Mark, and you know what? I had a flash of Singing in the Rain, the movie. A hot flash? No, <laughs> those come, please. That's every 10 minutes. I think I'm due for my next one. No, this is, no. But just, you remember Singing in the Rain, and they do the curtains on the backstage? You remember? And they're, yes, and they're course, in the yeah, flapper stuff. Yes. Remember that? Yeah. Yeah. Yes, of course. Of course I <laughs> That's do. what I was yeah. thinking of. All right, before I let you guys go, you got to give us a little hairspray stuff because, I mean, I just loved hairspray. And, and I, I want to say, I was thinking about your oeuvre, right? I was thinking about your work. And, you know, Nikki Blonsky came on the stage as, and she was obese, right? An obese lead character. She was meant to be, right? A fat uh, uh, woman who played a lead role on a Broadway stage with such exuberance and such love and such, such self-acceptance. Okay, that was transformative in its own way, in its own time. It really was. I mean, we think now about, you know, body issues and body shaming, but when you wrote Hairspray and you set it to music, it was a phenomenon. And 
now I'm thinking about how Some Like It Hot is taking other examples of moving our acceptance and tolerance even further along. I mean, you guys need to be credited with that because oh, thank you. <laughs> because popular culture is so important; it, it changes families. Yes, yes, yeah. I, I agree. That yeah. especially with hairspray, yeah. <laughs> you know, yeah. Both shows. Uh, I'm very proud. To just you know, reiterating what you said, I'm proud that people will go see these shows, and because they are entertaining, they get wrapped up in the characters and the emotions and, and the joy. And they just might leave the theater with a new attitude about things. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I'm very, very, we're all very proud of that. And it's not like we are, you know, what is that old expression when they said, if you want to send a message, use Western Union, Uh Uh, you know, old showbiz (laughs) movie talk. But it is great to be able to work on these shows with these storylines and characters that are able to open up people's minds. And yeah, maybe change change okay. the way people think, yeah, exactly. but also entertain them. Because we're, we're, anything, our, our our primary goal is to entertain an audience. So and also to slip in some spinach on the side. Right. So. Were you happy, by the way, with the movie version of Hairspray? Did you guys like it? Yes. Yes. Of yeah, course, we, we were lucky to work on it. So, yeah, no, it was Marissa Jarrett Winoker who who hit the Broadway, Broadway stage and the Nikki Blonsky in the movie. And yeah, of course sorry. it was John yeah. Waters. John yeah. Waters is who created the story. So it is, it's he who created the story of this self-confident girl who, who is, does not give a whit about her weight. Mm-hmm. Uh, she's self-confident and loves herself and wants, you know, what, you know, wants to create what she wants to create. And uh, it's John Waters who created that. And it was Billy Wilder who, who, pretty much created the characters of Some Like It Hot. I mean, even his movie was a remake of a of an old German movie. But his blueprint and his structure and his skeleton is still very much part of our musical. Uh, we just took it to the place where he couldn't do. In 1959, he couldn't let the characters do what they do do in our show. Uh, yeah, so he had to hold generations. back. Right. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but it was funny too. I mean, it was just—it's yeah, a yeah. classic in its own way. It's brilliant. Oh, yes. It's just brilliantly yeah. done. And yeah. uh, you know, when you wrote the song, "The Motion in the Ocean," it's such an unexpected beat. Like, how did that come to you guys? Because it—it is—it's different. It's, it's a little different. Well, it, we wanted it to be like um, uh, Phil Spector, like um, uh, um, you know, like a. Um, one of his great anthems that kind of has that sound to it. So that was mm, yeah. What, Scott, yeah. What Scott's trying to say is we 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 stole the rhythm of River Deep Mountain High, which is a great <laughs> song that Phil Spector uh, produced that Tina Turner sang, and uh, we took that. I mean, Scott said the idea of the song should be about the beat and how the beat is something that the characters in Hairspray love. They love to dance, but the beat means also like the heartbeat and it means the the rhythm that the country moves to and grows to and and then he went out to meet his friends to have an after show cocktail and i was sitting there at the piano with what scott had just said to me and the first verse of that song fell out of my mouth literally as fast as it takes to sing it uh it just came out and i called scott and i said come back home 
I don't want to write anymore without you in the room. You'll be mad at me, but come down home. I, I, I just, it just, it's coming out of me. It's like, it's like a baby was crowning. Wow. So uh, he ran back downtown and we, we jumped onto that song. And then we wrote 3000 verses uh, of which four remain in the show, but we always end up being petrified. We don't know what to write. And then at the four days later, we have more verses than Too the much. show can handle. <laughs> wow. Well, whatever you guys have, you should have it forever. May you have it forever. It's it's a brilliant gift, and I want to thank you for sharing it with the rest of us because you. because you do because it's great. Cool. Uh, thank you for having us. And uh, so, <laughs> Mark Shaman and Scott Women today on the Lisa Wexler Show. Go see Some thank Like It Hot. Go run and get tickets to it. It's a fabulous musical. You're going to love it. And I guess the next time you'll come on, guys, you'll be talking about Plaza Suite. Right? Next time? <laughs> Promise? Okay. All right. And Jesse Green and David Friedman wanted me to say hello. So I'm saying hello from uh, Jesse yes, Green and course. David Friedman. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Mark, Mark Shaman and Scott Whitman, thank you so much for joining us today. I do hope you'll come back on the show. Thank you so of much. Of course. Thank, thank, you, thank you, Lisa. Lisa. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here, and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at hellofresh.com. How would you like to look 5 years younger? In a clinical study, people that had volume added with Juvederm Voluma XC in the cheeks perceived themselves as looking 5 years younger at 6 months after treatment. Look younger, feel like you. Add volume for lift and contour in the cheeks with Juvederm Voluma XC. Reverse signs of aging by adding volume to smooth laugh lines with Juvederm Volur XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Thank you for listening. If you liked what you heard, please share it with your friends. And as always, feel free to contact me at lisa at lisawexler.com. 